The following Marx Daily Apple article was written by Mark Sisson and is narrated by Brock Armstrong. Top 7 Most Common Reactions to Your High-Fat Diet and How to Respond A while back, I told you about the top 8 most common reactions you get when people hear that you don't eat grains, and I offered up some concise responses to those reactions. It was well-received, so I thought I'd do the same thing for your high-fat diet. If you thought having to explain your grain-free diet was tough, explaining a high-fat diet, in particular a high-animal-fat diet, may seem even harder. At least with a grain-free diet, you're merely removing something that many hold near and dear to their hearts— It's healthy and delicious, sure, but at least you're not adding something that will actively kill you. Fat is the deadly thing for many people. It's fat for crying out loud. It's bad for you. Practically poison. Everyone knows it. I mean, have you seen what fat down the kitchen drain does to your plumbing? Actually, like the grain-free diet, explaining the high-fat diet is not that hard. I'll even promise you that there are ways to do it, explanations and answers that don't make you seem like a crazy person who hates his heart. I make no such promises for those of you with a stick of butter with bite marks in it, or a tub of coconut oil with a greasy spoon beside it in your office desk, however. Now, let's get right to their questions and responses you can use. Isn't all that fat going to glom onto your arteries? That isn't how it works. Atherosclerosis is caused by oxidized LDL particles penetrating the arterial walls, inciting inflammation and damaging the arterial tissue. It is not caused by fat mechanistically attaching itself to the surface of the arteries like fat in a kitchen pipe. Also, It's not like you eat some butter and that butter gets directed straight into your bloodstream. Your blood doesn't have oil slicks running through it or congealed droplets of grease gumming up the passageways. You are the product of millions and millions of years of evolution, and I think our bodies can do better than trying to ape modern plumbing. Short response? My arteries are not pipes. Fat is not solidifying in my body like it can in your plumbing. Atherosclerosis is a complex process with dozens of factors beyond what is in your diet, let alone the fat content. Isn't all that cholesterol going to raise your cholesterol? If I were a rabbit, sure. When you feed cholesterol to an herbivorous animal, like a rabbit, whose only encounters with dietary cholesterol occur in a lab setting, their blood lipids will increase and they will usually develop atherosclerosis. For many years, the cholesterol-fed rabbit was a popular method of studying heart disease and gave rise to the now-popular idea that dietary cholesterol also elevates blood lipids in humans, thus immediately condemning them to a heart attack naturally. Except it isn't the case. Save for a few select few who are hyper-responders, the vast majority of people can eat cholesterol without it affecting their cholesterol levels. And even when dietary cholesterol affects blood lipids, it's usually an improvement. 
increasing HDL and the HDL to TC ratio, while leaving LDL mostly unchanged. As for where all that blood cholesterol comes from, we make pretty much all the cholesterol in our body in-house, and dietary cholesterol tends to suppress endogenous cholesterol synthesis. Boy, between staying local and only making as much as we need, our livers are downright green. I bet our HDL is GMO-free and organic to boot. Not so sure about those sneaky LDL particles, though. Short response? Dietary cholesterol does not affect total blood cholesterol. In fact, when we do eat cholesterol, our bodies make less of it to keep our blood levels in balance. Isn't all that fat going to make you fat? Fat doesn't make you fat. While you can technically overeat enough fat calories to accumulate adipose tissue, thus getting fat, this is a difficult feat for two primary reasons. Fat is very satiating, especially when paired with low-carb eating. Grass-fed pot roast ribbed with yellow fat, connective tissue, and ample protein is far more filling than some crusty bread spread with butter. You'll eat a decent slice of the former and be done. But you could easily polish off half a loaf of the latter with half a stick of butter and still be hungry. It's difficult to overeat on a high-fat, low-carb diet. Dietary fat in the presence of large amounts of dietary carbohydrates can make it difficult to access fat for energy, while dietary fat in the presence of low levels of dietary carbohydrates make it easier to access fat for energy. Couple that with the fact that fat and carbs are easier to overeat together, and you have your explanation. In fact, studies have shown that low-carb, high-fat diets not only reduce weight, they also retain, or even increase, lean mass. That means it's fat that's being lost, rather than the nebulous weight, which is what we're ultimately after. Short response? No. Eating a high-fat, low-carb diet is the easiest way to inadvertently eat less without sacrificing satiation or satisfaction. It also improves your ability to access stored body fat rather than lean mass, which is helpful for fat loss. But Dean Ornish, my mum, Walter Willett, the AHA, my doctor said saturated fat will give you heart attacks. They all may say that and sound pretty convincing as they say it, but the science says differently. I tend to listen to the science rather than what I think the science is saying. A 2011 study found that, quote, reducing the intake of carbohydrate with high glycemic index is more effective in the prevention of cardiovascular disease than reducing saturated fat intake per se. From a 2010 study out of Japan, saturated fat intake, quote, was inversely associated with mortality from total stroke, end quote. A 2010 meta-analysis found, quote, that there is no significant evidence for concluding that dietary saturated fat is associated with an increased risk of coronary heart disease or cardiovascular disease, end quote. That looks pretty clear-cut to me. Short response, 
The most recent studies have concluded that saturated fat intake likely has no relation to heart disease, contrary to popular opinion. Where do you get your energy? I get my energy from fat, both dietary and stored body fat. At 9 calories per gram, fat is the densest source of energy. I'm not sure if you've noticed, but humans tend to store it on their bodies. That's not just for show, you know. We actually store it in our bodies as energy for later, for leaner times, for when food isn't available. Fat is the ideal energy source for life's daily activities. Walking, working, even going for a hike or a light jog all access the oxidative or fat-based energy pathway. Carbs only really come into play when you're doing repeated bouts of intense exercise like sprint intervals or high-intensity endurance training. But for just about everything else, fat is king. Short response, fat is the body's preferred and most reliable form of energy, which is why we store excess energy as fat on our bodies. Unless you think we accumulate body fat just to make pants fit tighter. But isn't fat totally free of nutrients? How do you get your vitamins if you're eating all that fat? The richest source of natural tocotrienols, vitamin E, potent antioxidants, is red palm oil, a fat. One of the richest sources of choline, a vital micronutrient for liver function, is in egg yolk, a fat. One of the better sources of vitamin K2, an oft-ignored nutrient involved in cancer prevention, arterial health, and bone metabolism, is grass-fed butter, a fat. The best dietary source of vitamin D, a nutrient most people are deficient in, is cod liver oil, a fat. See what I mean? Also, even when you're cooking with a fat that doesn't contain many vitamins, the fat is still going to improve the bioavailability of the fat-soluble vitamins, like A, D, E, K, K2, in the food that you're cooking. Short response. Certain fats like egg yolk, palm oil, extra virgin olive oil, cod liver oil, and grass-fed butter are some of the most nutritious foods in existence. And without fat in your meals, you often won't absorb all the nutrients that are present in other foods, like leafy greens, since many of them require fat for full absorption. Doesn't the brain run on carbs, not fat? Yes, the brain requires glucose. That is true. However, the brain is more of a gas-slash-diesel hybrid. It can run on both fat and glucose. Ketones derived from fatty acids can satisfy the majority of the brain's energy needs, sparing the need for so much glucose. You'll still need some glucose as the brain can't run purely on ketone bodies, but you won't need nearly as much. And, best of all, your brain will run more efficiently on a combination of ketones and glucose rather than glucose alone. That improved efficiency means you can actually function without food since you have ample brain energy stores on your body. Even the leanest among us have enough body fat to last for weeks. And a high-fat diet allows you to access that body fat for brain energy. You'll no longer suffer brain fog just because your afternoon meeting went a little long and you missed lunch. Instead, you'll enjoy steadier, more even energy in mind and body.
Additionally, your body, through a process known as gluconeogenesis, can make up to 150 grams of glucose a day, more than the brain ever needs, which is roughly 120 grams per day. Short response. While it's true the body requires some glucose for energy, using fat-derived ketones as well can make the brain run more efficiently and reduce its glucose requirements. On top of that, your body can probably create more glucose than your brain even requires. Compared to the last post about grains, there were fewer entries today. The simple reason being that while grains are hyped beyond belief, People have but a few scant, albeit robustly defended, justifications for fearing dietary fat. The backlash almost always revolves around the visceral fear of fat. It's a scary word after all, but it shouldn't be. No one should fear something so vital to life, so crucial for nutrient absorption and hormonal function, and so delicious with roasted vegetables. Hopefully, these responses will help curb some of that fear. So, what did I miss? What else have you heard, and how do you respond? Let me know over at marksdailyapple.com in the comments section. And thanks for listening. Hey, Primal listeners. Here's a quick health tip for you. Most Primal paleo-oriented health professionals agree that supplementing with pharmaceutical-grade fish oil is an easy way to help you achieve peak health. Omega-3 support a healthy immune system, pain-free flexible joints, brain and nerve health, and serve as nature's anti-inflammatory fats that can help keep chronic inflammation in check. Primal Nutrition's Vital Omegas are the highest quality source of the essential fatty acids DHA and EPA, concentrated and refined to the highest levels of purity, and packaged in easy-to-swallow capsules. Order three bottles and get one free at PrimalBlueprint.com.